0: Wonderful to see you. Happy Easter. I'm really glad you're here. Let's, let's try what we all learned a minute ago. He is risen. Yes, risen indeed. All right. There you go. Okay, good deal. Well, hey, today we are going to talk about what it means that Jesus is alive and why that is actually both bad news and good news for us. My name's Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here. If today's your first day at BCBC, welcome. We're really glad to share this special holiday with you. And you might say, you know, Dan, I've heard a lot about Easter, and I've been to church many times on Easter, but where in the world are you going to pull some bad news from about Jesus rising from the dead? Well, you'd be surprised. We're going to look at that in just a minute. Have you ever gotten one of those... um, pieces of news that you could interpret as either good news or bad news. Someone might even set it up for you that way, right? Hey, I've got good news and bad news for you. What do you want to hear first? So I remember a moment like that um, for Melissa and I was about three and a half years ago. We were really excited about being pregnant really excited about you know another kid joining our family our motto has always kind of been love one more really excited to have one more to love so we went to the uh, ultrasound office and looking at the screen and it's like wow yeah see a strong heartbeat there it's good news he said i see another heartbeat there that's good news So we're looking at the screen, and I don't know if you've ever seen one of these things, but it's kind of in black and white, and it's not all super clear what's happening, especially if you're not a trained eye. And you're seeing like little whatever things wiggling and stuff, and you're looking, you're just straining, and you're like, okay, I see that heartbeat. And we're talking about like almost microscopic level stuff because we had gone really early in the process. And uh, so then we saw another heartbeat, and then the technician said, "Oh, there's another one." That was good news <laughs> and bad news for us and our family dynamic. I remember um, coming home finding out we were having triplets, and you know the rest of the story is we did have triplets. There are three now. Um, and wow, that's you know, a whirlwind of life has gone by in the last three years. And I think about the bad news is, you know, any semblance of normalcy I thought I had access to, long gone any, for two years, any like sound sleep long gone, Um, and I could make a whole list of reasons why I could interpret that as bad news, right? Lots of expenses, lots of challenges, lots of terrible, messy disasters that we have to clean up. And yet when I think about my triplets, I don't think about the bad news of the stuff that I had to leave behind or that Melissa has to still leave by, like, this is, we're still in process on this, right? By the way, this is my wife, Melissa, right here, if you don't know her. Um, the, uh, I think about the good news when I see my triplets, like this morning, you know, all dressed up for Easter, all smiling, three of, two of the three smiling, and uh, thinking about how, um, what an incredible blessing they are in our lives. Some of you might have been here the Sunday probably, you know, a little more than three years ago now, that I got the false alarm that, like, they're coming. And I was so glad I didn't check my phone, like, during the service. Because during the first hour service, Melissa was texting me, like, hey, it's happening now. Like, she was at the hospital for a while, you know, ramping up to this. It's happening now. You've got to get here. You've got to get here. And thankfully, my phone was off. And somewhere around, I don't know, 10 30 or something she said oh never mind it's not going to be today it's going to be tomorrow that's what the doctor said so when I booted up my phone and saw all these messages like a lot of them and then and then don't worry about it never mind thought wow that would have been if I would have looked during service I would have like said well we're done and I would have run out the door (laughs) and it wouldn't have you know it still happened the next day not that day Um, sometimes we get news that changes our lives so much that even though there's kind of a negative dynamic to it, there's also the positive outweighs the negative. So I think that about the resurrection of Jesus, only on a scale way beyond any, anything I could imagine, that if there is any bad news for us, it's going to be pretty substantially eclipsed by amazingly good news. All right, so you ready to walk this through? I do have good news for you today and bad news, so what would you like to hear first? Like any, like all of us, right? Just give me the bad news because we kind of want to leave here on a happy note. It's Easter, right? So you want to leave church feeling charged up and encouraged? We'll, we'll get there, but let's, let's look at the news first of all. This is the news. He is risen. So turn in your Bible to Philippians 3. And we're going to look at the bad news first. It's bad news for people who want to be self-confident and self-important. Because Jesus just one-upped anything you could ever do, any good that you could ever accomplish, any power you could ever exercise. Jesus just blew that out of the water with what he did leaving all the things that you might have been working for or believing about yourself in the dust. It's actually worse than the dust. We'll look at that in a minute. Um, so, look with me at Philippians 3, verse 3. Actually, just the very begin, or the very end of verse 2, he's talking about, you know, don't, don't give in to the people who want to take away the power of what Jesus did by carrying you back into religious rituals and laws. He said, you're free. Like, there's, there's good news here. Don't go backwards. He says in verse 3, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Now, why did he mention circumcision? It's kind of out of left field, right? In our culture, we don't think about that very much, but back then, that was the signal that you were being a faithful keeper of the law. And so, as crazy as it sounds, that's kind of how they would compare notes. Like, are you really, really serious about your faith? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been circumcised. Okay, so, so, Paul's saying to people who thought like that, hey, don't go back to that way of thinking. What Jesus has done has completely transformed the paradigm, and that is ridiculous. I think it always was kind of ridiculous to think that way, but now even more. Uh, How ridiculous is that? So Paul says, if there was anyone who could put confidence in their keeping of the law, their, their pedigree, their grooming to be exactly the right kind of person, man, that would be me. That would be the Apostle Paul, right? He says, if anyone could have confidence, I could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I was also a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. If you were looking for a faithful Jewish guy who checked off every single box, Paul was it. He was on fire for his Jewish faith. Verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ Jesus has done. That's the bad news. Jesus rising from the dead is bad news for the I-can-handle-it crowd. The people who would walk through life and they would say, no, no, I don't need any help. I can handle it. Like, God, I realize some people out there might need mercy or grace or something, but I've got this. Jesus rising from the dead is bad news to the no thanks, I'm good crowd. Hey, let, let me help you, no, no thanks, I, I'm good. Jesus is rising from the dead is bad news to the I like doing it my own way crowd. Jesus rising from the dead is bad news to the look at all that I've done crowd. Paul was in these crowds, wasn't he? Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Look at how strictly I kept the law. But now all of that effort, all of that work, all of that faith in myself, what did it amount to? He said, now I count all that as worthless because Jesus one-upped all of it. And nothing a human being can do can match the power that Jesus displayed when he rose from the dead. So, those of us who like believing in ourselves or in our own strength, our own sufficiency, the resurrection's kind of bad news. It's bad news for the you don't realize who I am crowd. You know, that the, the fancy politician who gets pulled over for speeding and The police officer doesn't recognize him. Hold on, you don't realize who I am. That doesn't work on God, by the way, because he sees all of us for who we really are. And whether Paul could say, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews, I was the best Pharisee, and I was so zealous for this thing. Think about who I am. He says, now I count all of that worthless. Jesus rising from the dead is bad news for the, but I'm above average crowd. You ever hear that from your kids? I've got a few different kids who've said that to me in different ways. Sometimes they're right, right? Like they'll look at the test and they'll be like, wow, dad, you know, I'm in 52% or whatever. Like, okay, buddy, we still have to step up the game. I don't know if if we've had a kid do that. I don't think we've, oh, Melissa says maybe so. (laughs) My kids are all 99s or 100, right? Um... uh, We want to think that maybe compared to the rest of the world, we're doing pretty well. I'm a little better citizen, a little better churchgoer, a little better with morality, character, doing pretty good. Resurrection is bad news for you if that's what you want to put your faith in, because the resurrection one-ups you in the worst way possible. How about the the I'm still working on it crowd like this crowd would admit like I don't have it all together but just give me a little more time I'm working on it I don't want to take the help yet like I realize there's rescue available there's salvation available but I'd rather try it on my own for a little bit longer Jesus accomplished the ultimate one-up. Every kind of human achievement, human success story, human moral victory, the Apostle Paul said everything else is worthless. Now let's read on from there where we go. Verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Think of it, he built his whole worldview, his whole understanding of who he was, his whole identity. Was all tied up in how good he could be and how perfect he could act and how good his pedigree was, how faithful to the law he was being, and now all of it got blown up. So you could look around and he might say, Who, who am I now? Like everything I live for went to count it as garbage. So if you look up the Greek word, for garbage in this text. It's not actually like the trash that you would take out. The actual word means the excrement of animals. I count, you didn't think you were gonna see that on Easter morning, right? Fun. (laughs) I count all of my best human effort, everything I had confidence in, that's it. I count it all as garbage. I call it all as dung it's all excrement, it's, it's worthless, it's less than worthless, for some of us it's actually a big distraction because we still think, wait, wait, no, there's value in there. And so instead of that, here's what Jesus allows us to do. We trade our righteousness for something better. Look at the next verse. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead." There's something so much greater than what you can do or who you can, who you can sort of be as a human being or how well you can perform. There's, there's a way of life that's on a whole nother level than that. And so people who are scurrying around kind of in the midst of religion miss this higher way of life and thinking because in their mind, they think, man, if I do what the church says to do, or if I, if I follow the, the list that I was given, if I, if I conduct the rituals just right, then God will be happy with me and I'll move on. And Paul says, I live that life, and compared to actually knowing Jesus, what is that life worth? Nothing at all. Totally worthless, a distraction from what's actually real. Nothing I've done is even worth comparing to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So you could ask this question, if, if resurrection power is available, think about all the things people study, all the things we worry about, all the things we get excited about or depressed about. You know, you watch the news or, or maybe you see some scientific breakthrough and you're all jazzed up about the future of humanity, but then you pause and you go, wait a minute, I'm not in that future if i die so if someone has cracked the code to resurrection is that not what matters the most like think of it you've got you know comfortable life better retirement resurrection power business as usual which one do you pick whoa resurrection power is on a different level than anything else isn't it So, what else does matter more? What else do you want to know more than that? Like, I suppose I'm curious. I wouldn't mind knowing things in addition to that, but if that is available to be known, seems like that's priority one. So, if you haven't found it, why wouldn't it be your greatest priority to find it? If resurrection power, the ability to defeat death, and get out of the the, the endless chain of life and death, if there's a way to get out of that cycle, wouldn't that be the number one priority in your heart to solve for that? If you can get out of this. Sometimes I go through... I actually was reading an interesting article this week about how, I think it's in France or somewhere, someone has mixed together the environmental cause and death in a really cool way. Like they decided, hey, we've got to set aside cemeteries anyway, let's make them wildlife refuges. <laughs> so, so there you go. You can you know, make a difference in your death by buying a little bit of a wildlife refuge and being buried there and then the theory is, man, no industrial group is ever gonna disturb your grave. So it's like permanently set aside for nature beautiful thing, right? But I, I would rather not have that be the end of my story. Wouldn't you rather have something different than that? So there's amazing good news in the Bible. Jesus rose from the dead. He's not in his grave, and he's willing to share that resurrection power with you. So when the Apostle Paul is looking at all the other things that he could have claimed or done or whatever. He's saying, man, that's possible. That's what I want to know. Sign me up. Even if it means sharing in Jesus's sufferings, even if I have to walk the way he walked, I want to know him and his resurrection power. I'll give up. You've heard that old saying, you have to give up to go up. It's very literally true, right? I have to give up my way My self-sufficiency, my opinions, my accomplishments, my will, my claim to control, my version of morality, my value equation, like what I think makes me a valuable person that's good. I have to set all that aside to gain something, orders of magnitude better, life. That's literally what God offers to every one of us if we're willing to put our faith in Jesus, an escape from death. Life, life in your soul, life as it was meant to be, life that never has to end. That is what Jesus opened the door for you to experience when he rose from the dead. It's a curious phrase in the Bible, it talks about Jesus being the first fruits of the resurrection. The first fruits of many. What were first fruits? Well, you know, back in the day, first fruits, just your first fruit that would come out on your vine or the first produce from your farm. And you would dedicate that to God because it was, you know, you'd celebrate. Hey, look, it's starting, the harvest is starting. Jesus was the first fruits of resurrection. But the idea is that we join him. Like there's a, there's a new future being built where death is no longer the controlling factor and you're invited into that future. That's why Paul said, hey, even if I have to share in his sufferings, sign me up. Follow him into his kind of death. Sign me up because I will gain life. The ultimate value override. There might be other things that are important to you, but isn't this more important to you? So let's go on in Philippians 3 and read what Paul said he's going to do now say, man, if this is true, Jesus has paved the way for me to live this new life. I put my faith in Jesus. I enter that new life. Now what happens? Verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The past is the past. And now Jesus invites you to the future, and so your whole life starts to point at the future. Your whole life, it's, not no, it's no longer look back at what I've done. Look how great I was. Look at where I was born. Look at who my parents, all that stuff you're setting aside and everything about your orientation now is the future that you have with God. And so he says, I'll set it aside and I will run my race hard toward the future. There's incredible freedom in that, right? Some people look backwards in their life and they see good that they've done. The honest people look backwards in their life and they see the bad that they've done. And they're not thinking, man, God ought to let me into his kingdom and because of how great I am. They're they're thinking there's no way God would forgive someone who's done what I've done or thought what I've thought. In any event, either way, you forget what lies behind, you run toward the future. Verse 15, he says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our examples. The Apostle Paul is saying, Here's how you live. You know, you see me trying to follow Jesus, you follow Jesus like that. For I have told you, and often before, I will say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think about only this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, Using the same mighty power with which he will bring everything under his control. There is a power available that's bigger, more infinite, more amazing than any power that we human beings have access to. The power to transform your heart, the power to change you from a temporal being into an eternal being, just like this says the power to give you resurrection. Jesus tapped into that power. He offers it to you as well. So, back to the bad news. You have to give up to go up. You have to give up your own claim to your own sufficiency, your own righteousness, your own way of living, whatever you've got pride in. Say, Lord, that all might mean something if I'm just thinking about it from earthly reference points, but the day you rose from the dead, everything I counted as success became worthless because a power was made available that was so much bigger than anything I could ever gin up on my own. So you have to give up to go up. The good news, you can go up. You can follow Jesus in the way that you live. You might follow him in the way that you suffer and die. Hopefully not, but you could. You can follow him the way that he rose from the dead. And one day you could join him with a glorified body, not subject to decay, not subject to deterioration, not tempted by sin anymore. Instead, purified, perfected, eternal. That's what Jesus made possible for you. And that's why when you realize that, it's worth giving up to go up. It's worth setting aside your own thinking and saying, if this is the truth, then Lord, I will embrace it. Whatever it takes I'll sign up for that. So how could we respond to Jesus? How could we respond to the resurrection power that we see at work in him? Probably a lot of emotions might come to mind, a lot of thank yous, a lot of, Lord, I'll do anything for you. Lord, sign me up. You might have your own words to put to this, I was thinking of it this way, Lord, I admit that I need you. Here's why. Nothing I know how to do can one-up what you've already done. I don't know how to defeat death. I don't know how to, I, I, can't, I can't even just get myself to make the right choices for 24 hours in a row. I can't claim human goodness or some sort of notoriety or importance. So I can admit very freely, God, I need you. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do as a way of responding to Jesus. Only if it's in your heart to do it. If you agree with this statement on the screen, I just wonder if you would stand up. Now, don't stand up too quickly just because everybody else is doing it. Actually, look at the statement on the screen. Lord, I admit that I need you. Right there is why It's something, Maybe, maybe you're tempted to hesitate a little bit because it's really nice to think I can handle it. I do have it. I'll work it out. I'll, no thanks, I'm good. But when we get honest before God, Lord, I admit I need you. That humility unlocks the ability for you to say the next sentence. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Would you say that with me? I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Lord Jesus, we stand before you here as people who are in awe of your powerful work, power that's way beyond anything we can comprehend, power that's bigger and more righteous and more awesome than anything we could do on our own. And Lord, for whatever crazy reason, you have not only demonstrated that power to us, but you have invited us in to experience it ourselves. And for that, we say, yes, Lord, we need you. We want that power. We want to know you, recognizing that knowing you in a personal way is more valuable than anything else in this world. And finding the key to eternal life is the top priority for every one of us. Lord, you did not design our lives to end in death. You designed our love and our purpose, our joy, our spirit, our our aspirations. You you, You designed that to live forever and you're offering us a way back to that amazing purpose so Lord today I as one person say yes I want in on your plan and I will gladly give up to go up thank you Lord for this bad news and good news thank you for news that disrupts all the norms everything we thought we were doing or becoming, everything we drew our confidence from, even our identity, Lord, all of that is eclipsed by your resurrection power. So with grateful hearts, with hopeful hearts, we look to your resurrection not as just an event in history, but as a prelude to something that we will experience as well. We look forward to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Before you go, I'd like to read this verse to you as an encouragement for your Easter Sunday. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God bless you. See you next week.